Hello, Namaste, and good evening. Today I'm going to talk about um, one of the lecture uh, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson had given. So the title is called The Necessity of Virtue, alright? He's one of my favorite mentors out there. So, okay, it's going to be a little bit long, but I hope you guys will hold on to it. Okay. This lecture is called Virtue as Necessity and the reason I gave it the title is because virtue, ethics, morality isn't a field of study. It's a mode of being upon which all fields of study rest. It's also a mode of being upon which everything you do, do in your life rest. The way you understand yourself or fail to. The way you understand other people or fail to. And more deeply than, than that, uh, what role it is that you play in your life in the world. One of the most things I've learned, for example, being a clinical psychologist, I've spent thousands of hours helping people sort out difficult problems, is that lack of virtue makes people ill. I'm not saying that my clients uh, themselves lack virtue. I suppose some of them do and some of them don't. But to that degree that they're embedded in a network of relationship where virtue is fundamentally absent. They're tortured and tormented and they're unable to find firm ground. And that that's not a biological problem. Although biological fragile people might be hurt more by a lack of virtue. A lot, a lot of what you in real, a real relationship with people and at least to some degree in clinic, clinical relationship is supposed to be real. Is to provide a for, forum where people tell the truth. And that's hard because people don't like to, te, to tell the truth particularly. The truth is difficult. It's difficult for a variety of reasons. When I first thought about this lecture, I had a sli slightly different title. The title was Virtue as an Existential Necessity. And that's a bit of philosophical, so I modified it. But, but there is a reason for that because the concept of virtue means to be virtuous. Existentialism is the study of being. I think that you can't, can't really understand what makes up virtue until you modulate or modify your notion of what constitute being? This is a hard thing to do. Modern people are fundamentally fundamentally materialistic. And there is some utility in that. We are a master of material transformation. And the fact that we are materialist, materialistic in our scientific philosophy has made us extremely powerful. Maybe too powerful for our morality. Extremely powerful from a technological perspective and it's blinded us to a certain thing and I think one of the things that I uh, that it's really blinded us to the to us is the nature of our own being because we make the assumption that the funda fundamental constitute elements of reality are material we fail to notice that the fundamental fundamental constitute element of our own reality are not material their emotion their mot motivation their dreams their visions their relationship with other people their conscious they're dependent on consciousness and self-consciousness. And we have absolutely no materialistic explanation whatsoever, either for consciousness or self-consciousness. And we, and we don't deal, with, deal well, you know, like from materialistic, materialist perspective with the qualities of being and, and everyone knows those qualities exist. I mean, for the, for the most people, there's nothing more real than their own pain. Pain trans, transcends rational argument in that you can't argue yourself out of it it's just there and materialist or not 
there are very few people who are willing to allow the claim that their pain is merely an epiphenomena of some more fundamental material process. Pain is fundamental. Fundamental. Consciousness is fundamental. And I think that unless you understand that you can you can't think properly about virtue. So I might understand so I might start the discussion about virtue with the discussion about being uh, well well uh, what does human being look like i mean well the buddhist life is suffering that's the first fundamental buddhist dictum and i and i suppose a modern person would tend to think of that as a very pessimistic claim but i found when i shared that information with my student once once they understand what it means it it's actually a relief because people run around madly suffering away and all of them inside their little shell think well there must be something wrong with me because here i am suffering and that isn't how things are supposed to be well then you might say who, who says that not who says that that's not the way you are supposed to be the buddhist say life is suffering so what so what so what that means is if you're not suffering that's a good thing that's lucky that's fortunate that's not a way of the world that that may be something you that may be something to be grateful for and of course in christianity the central symbol for christianity is the crucifix which is not a positive symbol in any way it's a symbol of betrayal by friend opposition from the state moral vulnerability it's about is powerful a symbol representation of a idea that life is suffering that you could not that it could put together which of which is of course why the power of that symbol extend across several thousand years <laughs> judaism i don't think it's going to come as as a shock to anyone in the audience that jews are actually aware of the suffering that's involved in life so it's useful to know the to know to understand what it means that life is suffering it's fundamental ontological truth it's a fundamental statement about the nature of being and that's there is a reason for that it's it's not incomprehensible it's it's perfectly comprehensible we're we're we're, we're finite we have a lifespan that bounded temp temporarily we have we have maybe a hundred years and that's pretty much beat and that there is other forms of extreme limitation that are imposed on you that have very little to do with you their arbitrary fact of, of being you're certainly height you're a certain weight you're a certain amount of attractive you're a certain amount of intelligent you're a certain amount of athletic you're a certain amount of mentally ill you're a certain amount of predisposition of to cancer and it's frequently the case that people like to attribute those vulnerabilities to some flaw in their nature but what they are instead is condition of existence human being is predic predicated on a kind of fundamental limitation in that we are what we are and we are not other thing and so that means inevitability inevitably that the awareness of human being comes along with suffering and life poses the question what to conduct yourself in in the face of suffering not only yours but everyone else all right so and and it's it's like an in in a capable question except maybe you're fortunate and you'll have periods of time where something absolutely horrible isn't happening to you now you think that uh, now you think about this because you might 
think this is pessimistic but but it, but it's not pessimistic it's actually one of the most freeing things that you can realize maybe there is nothing particularly wrong with you at the moment but there is a high probability that you have a family member that has something seriously wrong with them and there is a very high probability that you that if you don't you'll soon maybe you have a partner that has something serious wrong with them and to know this frees you from being the false illusion that life can be conducted without suffering 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 is an integral part of being well wh wh why is that who knows it's a metaphysical questions but i have some ideas about it and that have helped me and there are things that i i have read i read for example uh, an old jewish commentary about the reason for creation it's like a gen kohan this idea you take you take a being with the classical attributes of god like omnipotence omnipresence omniscience or totality and and the question is like uh, what does a being with those attributes lack and the answer is limitation and then you think well well what's so important about limitation and if you can if you can be anything or to do anything at at any time whatsoever there's no being everything is the one there's no difference differentiation between things so something that has uh, absolute and total has no being it has to be parceled out into limited being and you know this is because you you all play games you all play video games you 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 play games with other people you may play games you don't even know you're playing and when you play those games you put limits on yourself you play by set of rule and and the reason you do do that is is when you limit yourself arbitrarily in some ways whole new records of possibility emerge and so there's a powerful metaphysical idea that being is not possible without limitation so that's an interesting idea so so you so you'll say what's the price you pay for being the price you pay for being is limitation and the price you pay for limitation is suffering so the price you pay for being is suffering so what's the problem with that well suffering makes people question the validity of life everyone does that if something terrible is happening to you you're going to wonder why you that's for sure why not you might be better questioned because it's inevitable but you will wonder that that why you and you'll wonder is it worth it especially if something happening happen, happening to you is terrible and prolonged is it worth it does that cost cost you have to pay for being justified itself and and therefore is being justifiable and everybody ask and answer these uh, questions in fact the process of asking and answering these questions underlies everything you do all the time because you because you're you're answering when you act one answer which is yes being justifies itself you're answering a different way sometimes when you act which is no being does not justify itself and and the question then might be what happens when you answer one of those one of those two ways well to untangle this the first thing i uh, i want to do is talk to you about the antithesis of virtue because it always struck me that when you're talking in talking about something that you could uh, conceivably be regarded as optimistic it's it's difficult for people to fundamentally believe you you know if if i stood on a stage and said well the purpose of life is to be happy you might find that vaguely comforting but there's no chance in in the world that you'll believe it if you have an ounce of sense because if you lived you know that there is no 
there will be period to, period of time where happiness is not your state and so there has to be more to life than happiness because there there all there be lot of your life that isn't happy all right alexander s o l z h e n i t s y n who wrote the book of gulag archipelago that was one of the axes that brought down the theory of communist utopianism said the idea that human being are made of happiness that's a philosophy that's undermined by the first blow of the work signer kudel and what he meant by that was if you find yourself in a particularly terrible situation you you're enslaved for for example by malevolent utopians and that they're pushing you into form of slavery and they're beating you to attain their ends the idea that you made for happiness is not going to to be much of comfort under those circumstances and so that guy alexander point point was you're weakened by your belief that life is for happiness because that philosophy cannot sustain any sustained challenge and you will for sure encounter such, such a sustained challenge i do think that modern people can believe in virtue but not easily because virtue sounds religious in a, in a sense and we have real trouble with whether we're religious or not with religious precon uh, preconceptions because our scientific forms of knowledge and our fundamental materialism has really radically undermined our ability to believe in any trans transcendent being but one thing that modern people can believe in i think without any much difficulty at all is evil alexander said for example that that the most important event of the 20th century as far as he was concerned was a, a nuremberg judgment and 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 you may know you should know that after world war 2 a group of national socialist from germany were deemed particularly responsible for absolute horrors of the final solutions and the mass factory genocide that accompanied it were put on a trial and a, and a standard defense for their actions was well i was ordered to do it and the nuremberg nuremberg decision denied human being regardless of their ethnicity or national background or belief the legal right to use that use that as a defense under certain limited circumstances <laughs> and the argument was uh, was that there was there are something that are that are so self evidently not good not virtuous that is if you engage in them in them you're existentially guilty you're guilty outside the bound of your culture there is a transnational and trans ethnic morality we don't know what it is but we know what it isn't it isn't pointless torture and genocide at a minimum it a minimum to be virtuous is to live your life in such a way that probable probability that you would engage in such actions given the opportunity is minimized now people think well they're already doing that if they were in nazi germany they would have been a rescuer not a perpetrator perpetrator all right but that's wrong you could take this audience and put them back in 1939 or they about like and 90% of you 95% of you or like 99% of you would either be in the perpetrator perpetrator 
class or the going along with the and uh, you may sit and believe you'd be in one percent and you maybe you would because how do i know but that isn't how the historical facts sort themselves out and it turns out that the that it's not that difficulty difficult generally to put people in situation normal people where they'll do something that really doesn't look very good those are those of you who are familiar with psychology know about milgram's experience for example you know about the zimbardo prison experiment you take perfectly normal college student put them into the situation that they know is a dramatic farce all right and they they know they know isn't real gives give some of them the power of prison guard and make some order arbitrarily into prisoners and in 3 days you have to shut the whole experiment down because the prison guard have turned into nazis and they're enjoying torturing the prisoners even though they know whatever no means i mean that they are innocent that says something about the manner in which people conduct their existence they are very sus sus susceptible to malevolent action if you look at genesis a very old book a very influ influential book there's a strange sequence of even that befalls adam and eve it's in two two sentences a snake gives them an apple and that wakes them up well there's a good book by southern california primatologist that was just published last year that suggested the reason that humans have such great vision way better than most animal except for rap raptor birds is because our vision systems were designed to detect predatory snakes and the way she discovered that was by comparing the population of predatory snake around the world to the visual acuity of primitive group that lived in those eras and what she found was essentially a one to one correspondence our visual systems which is the ability to see and to be enlightened let's say because enlightenment for example is associated with vision and the snake Uh, gave that to us because we had to pay attention to predatory things that we that uh, that were after us for tens of millions of years and and, and fruit that's interesting uh, we have color vision because we are fruit eaters our color vision is precisely evolved to detect ripe fruit ripe fruit so that so that part of our that part of the story is right and and um, there's a story that involves women too but i'm not going to tell that one today you have to be awake to outsmart women that's story that's the story and so that that's that's why we were tangled in there with the serpents and the fruits what happens when adam and eve woke, wake up it's a series of strange thing the first thing happen is the scales falls fall from their eyes so they can see all of a sudden they are aware in a in a way they weren't before and the next thing that happened is that they realized they're naked now one of the things that people have nightmare about being is naked on the stage which is often why when you see people on the stage that they don't tell you anything they think because they don't only not want to do, only not want to be physically naked they don't want to be metaphysically naked either and they protect themselves from the inquiries inquiring eyes of the audience no one likes to be naked on stage why well to be naked is to have your defense stripped from you when the soviets wanted to re really torture the hell out of hell out of you it 
two o'clock in the morning they'd cave in your door and they'd stripe you and shave you when they got you to prison because once you were exposed in all your suffering catastrophe then you were much easier to be tortured tortured to be naked to realize you are naked is to realize that you're vulnerable that's why adam and eve immediately cover themselves up they realize they're naked they cover themselves up it's a story about culture once people woke up and realized their limitation their more mortal limitation which is also their knowledge of death the first thing they do is cover themselves up and the second thing that happens is that they know the difference between good and evil and and that's a strange thing it's not good and bad it's good and evil specifically it's also something that animals don't know and i think i thought about this really for 20 years and what does that mean i mean and then earlier this year i i think i figured it out what it means you don't what it means is you don't know how to torture people until you realize that you're vulnerable as soon as you're self conscious of your own vulnerability then you can take what might only be predatory act say you're on the part of wolf because a wolf will bring down a moose or something like that and eats it and drag that out into 3 months of artistic torturing and so that means that your recognition of your own vulnerability immediately allows you to determine what's evil then you might ask ask yourself under what condition would you like to be would you likely to manifest that drive i think that's easy to figure it figure out if you watch yourself if if you watch yourself without presuppositions which means to watch yourself honestly or to watch yourself as if you're someone you don't know because you don't know your don't know yourself because you're too complicated to know yourself anyways so you might as well just come right out right out and know that <laughs> one of the thing uh, that's just kind of useful about recognizing your capacity for evil if you if you if you can do that without traumatizing yourself is that it's pathway for recognizing your ability for good you don't get get to one without the other because you have no idea what you're like before you know how terrible you can be and not only that you won't take yourself sufficiently seriously seriously If you know you're a loaded loaded weapon and an unstable loaded weapon then you're much likely to pay attention to what to do. But but that means you're you're not particularly nice and it means that if you were given opportunity maybe you'd be have been a Nazi prison guard, all right? In Genesis, the first thing that happens after Adam and Eve wake up is that they have two sons, Cain and Abel. and Cain who's Abel's brother he doesn't get along very well with God now i don't really care if you believe in god because i don't really know what people mean when they say they believe in god anyways but the story goes that Cain doesn't get along very well with god and the reason for that is Cain keeps doing things that that uh, things and, and they don't work everything Cain touches turns to ash whereas his brother Abel god likes him God only knows why and everything goes really well for Abel. So Cain is kind of failure and Abel and Abel's a smashing success. And not only is he successful at everything he does, but he's a good guy too, uh, which is really rude because if you're really success, successful at things, you should be at least be wretched interpersonal interpersonally so that people can forgive you. So so Cain takes this for a decade or two and then he just had it. He just had it with God. He thinks, how how can God make this sort of universe where I'm breaking myself in half here and getting nowhere, and my brother doors open 
for him left right and center all right so he goes and complains so he goes and complains to god and uh, he, he said look what's going on look what look what's going on like what sort of reality did you conjure up here abel has it good and I, and i am having a miserable time maybe you should do something about it and you think that's pretty interesting you know that kind would think that because because you have to ask yourself what what sort of presumption does kain have to assume that the dismal quality of his being is attributable to god because what kain does in that instant is to make himself the judge of being and i would say that you should be cautious about making yourself the judge of being because there's always a possibility that there's a few things you don't know so god so god sort of lets kain in in a, in on in on the secret he says look the fact that you're suffering miserably away actually isn't my fault it's your fault he says to kain sin crouches at the door like a predatory cat ready to jump on you but if you want it to you can overcome it this is not what kain wants to hear kain wants to hear that he's an innocent character and he has nothing to do with his own misery and it's all god's fault and god say instead straighten the hell up you know you could do it and even the in even though you should, you know you could do it you want and so that so that so that's the that's that for kain he was he was upset when he first went into discussion but after he got little piece of news that his suffering was to be laid it is on do step then he then is out of the realm of human and story saying his countenance of fall which means he is angry and upset and the first thing it does is uh, is the run off and kill abel why well it's revenge abel is god's favorite and kain has already just been and found it found it wanting the best way he can express his desire for revenge is to find someone who's having a pretty good time of it and 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 to arbitrarily eliminate in eliminate them and it might be some of it might be it might be of some interest to interest to note one of the kind's grand, grandchildren is the first person to make weapons of war so that brilliant little story so long ago associate the moral falling of the resentful individual who is unwilling to unwilling to take responsibility for the nature of their own being directly with atrocious act of culture conflict it's not finished <laughs> and 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 that's another thing to know because if you're going to be virtuous you have to take yourself seriously and if you want to start if you if you start to understand that you're networked with other people that you're that you're not one little dot among 7 billion you're networked with other people so you know a thousand people and then they know a thousand people and so so you're two people away from a million people and three people away from a billion people you're in a casual network and all your actions matter and alexander said that, that uh, said there's as many center of the universe as there are individual consciousness 
that's a very interesting way to think and why, why can't it be that way i mean we, we don't know anything about consciousness and suddenly it seems to seems to be how it feels if you're one of those conscious center and so maybe it is that what you do matters i think that often people come to the conclusion that life is meaningless because that's a better conclusion to come to than the re- reverse because if life is meaning meaningless well then who cares about what you do but if life is meaningful if what you do matters and everything you do matters and then and that put a, that puts a terrible terrible responsibility on the individual and i think that people are generally unwilling to bear that that's an interesting fact so life is suffering what does that to do do to people what does that do to people it makes them resentful these are pitfalls of being except being has a structure one of its fundamental structure element is suffering but suffering produces other characteristic of being resentment is all right resentment is a characteristic of people people feel resentful when they believe that they've been taken advantage of and if you feel resentful it may be that you are being taken advantage of of advantage of it may also be that you should screw your hair on straight and look look at things properly and it and it may also be that you should talk to somebody to find out if you're being taken advantage of or if your head isn't just screwed on straight but to talk to them then you'll have to tell them the truth and in a, and in order to tell them the truth you have to practice being honest because if you haven't practiced being honest then you're not going to have a friend that you can talk and even if you did you're not going to be able to tell them what the problem is and then they won't be able to help you sort out whether you're not being taken advantage of or whether you're a little bit insane if you're resentful then maybe you have to tell the people who's taking advantage of you that they should stop doing that and maybe you have to tell them in a way that that will make them stop which is noisy thing <laughs> or maybe you're resentful because you're because you're a nasty little bit of the world and you can have a chip on your shoulder and no matter what people do with your resentfulness in case you have some internal restructuring to do and you might ask why should why should you do the restructuring and my answer to that is resentment along with hopelessness and nihilism and all sort of other moral pitfalls put you onto the road of cruelty and atrocity misery misery loves company and if you feel that things are fundamentally unjust and that that the slings and arrows of being are aimed specifically at you why should you treat anyone else with compassion of compassion or justice because things are fundamentally unfair and even more deeply why shouldn't conclude that things should be eradicated because fundamentally things are unfair well i think that's what hitler's concluded i think that's what stalin concluded and the evidence suggests that stalin stalin was gearing up for the third world war he had a hydrogen bomb he, uh, he had already killed 30 million people he had his practice trials and you know there's an old psychoanalytic idea that the idea is that if you can't understand the motivation for the behavior look at the outcomes 
and infer the motivation and so hitler killed a hundred million people if you conclude the whole second world war and god only knows how many stalin killed and mao killed more and mao mao killed more than stalin why well their cover story was utopia and i guess people believe that well why it didn't look very utopian when all those millions of people were dying i think all all those people were practiced uh, people were all those people who participated in those pro processes used their rational utopianism as a cover story for their willingness to participate in atro atrocity because what they wanted to do with do was participate in the atrocity they didn't give a damn about utopia and you ask yourself well how much do you try to force the world to behave according to your terms now the catholics have always had trouble with rationality and modern people especially the sort of hyper atheist and that you hear from from and from now and then they don't like that because they believe that rationality is the highest virtue and that and 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 that's wrong i mean it's a terrible thing to say in a uni university except maybe the university isn't here to teach you to teach you to be rational maybe it's here to teach you to be virtuous and and those are on the same thing the rational person person says well i understand and having understood i impose an order and then uh, i walk to that uh, imposed order or uh, rea order reality that's what every ideologue does it's what every utopian does it's convincing and i think the reason people do that is well it's complicated but uh, partly they want an explanation for for their being but more importantly that than that they want a mask that covers up their tendency to atrocity which which the appearance of virtue and the most utopian thinking is it's so is that is that of is that sort or even though the mask can be very well argued and you may ask me why i believe that the reason i believe that that is the because we had a hundred years of it and that's how it turned out one of the things that terrible about living in soviet union was that you couldn't suffer because things were perfect so if you were suffering and and you even admitted it then you were instantly an enemy of the state so if you're if you're an ideologue your own suffering makes you heretic you undermine your belief in your own bloody system by suffering well then that's fine if you own if you if your own belief can stop you from being suffering then then more power to you but if you're still suffering a bit or a, or a lot or, or or in a tremendous amount then you can ask yourself maybe there's something i don't know maybe there's something i don't know <laughs> here is an existence existential exercise and this is not a rational let's say that that uh, virtue is worth pursuing and it's worth pursuing because a virtuous path is the only path that justifies being to one itself and that's the definition of virtue a virtuous path defies justifies being to itself being is suffering so you need to just you need a justification for your suffering so then you might ask yourself are there times in my life when i feel that my suffering is justified and and this is a good question and you could ask yourself the reverse question too which is are there times in my life when my suffering is clearly not justified 
and I could say, well, watch yourself for three weeks. Just watch like you don't know anything, and see when you and see when you're somewhere that justifies itself. Now you might say, how do I know? And 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 I'd say, okay, here's some hints. You're not self-consciousness. You you know it's not good to be self-consciousness, right? It it loads a neurotism. It's a negative emotions. We think of think of it as a higher order cognitive function, but people find it unpleasant. You tend to be self-conscious. Self-conscious when you're when you're false or ashamed. If you're deeply engaged in something, your self-consciousness disappear. So so engagement in something meaningful appears to make self-consciousness vanish. It also makes time vanish, right? Because if you're doing something that is intrinsically meaningful, then the sense of passing time disappears, and so that temporal temporal limitation that plagues you vanishes. <laughs> And I could say maybe you're having a miserable time of it, and you're only spending two percent of your walking hours in that condition, and and maybe you don't even know what it is, but but you could watch it and you could see and say, hey, look, I spent ten minutes there and I hardly even noticed, and I feel that that nature of of my being justified itself. Well, maybe you 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 wouldn't say that to yourself, but you could, you could say that life is worth it, and and then I could say, well, practice that. Above all. Above all else, forget about everything. And and then there's an alternative exercise: pay attention and figure out when absolutely your being does not justify itself. And that's even easier because that will happen whenever you do something that you immediately regret or are ashamed of, or even more precisely, makes you feel disintegrated and disvalued. Nietzsche said people betray themselves for the sake of their good, good name and all time, good name all the time. You can feel this. It seems clear, clear to center in your solar plexus. When you say something or do something that is not virtuous, then you'll disintegrate and you're and then you're weak and 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 you can feel it and then you'll cover it up with a bunch of rattling arguments trying to convince yourself and other people that what you're doing was actually okay. But now, but now you know that it's your rational ag. Arrogance and and authoritarianism, author authoritarianism that forces you to not drop your stupid presuppositions and just pay attention to what what your being is revealing to you. And we don't think that way. We we don't think being reveals being reveals things. It reveals things all the time. We just don't pay attention. Why? Why? Well, well, I think we we really don't want the responsibility. I believe. I thought about this for a long time ago. I think I I really believe that's the case. All right. So here's a quote from Tao Te Ching. I have a great translation of this book. It was written by Lao Tse years and years ago. It it is one of the world's classic literature. The person who wrote this wasn't a philosopher. The person who wrote this was a master of being. That's the different. Being because because a philosopher thinks, but a master of being doesn't think because because thinking is a tool and and being is something that supersedes any tool. All right, he said. All right, he said. Tao said. All right, it is by seeing intellect's bright light that the sage remains at one with his own self, ceasing to be aware of aware of it by placing it behind detached. He is unified with his external world by being selfless. He is fulfilled. Thus, his selfhood is uh, selfhood is assured. I saw my students in my map of meaning class. Pinocchio. Pinocchio is a very complicated story in a Disney version and in and in the previous versions with a deep mythological base. One of the thing that happens in Pinocchio, 
a lot of strange things happen that people just shallow right there's a there's a puppet that turns into human being and there's talking cats there's a blue fairies there's stars there's whale that eat people and everyone shallows that with no problem right you go to see pinocchio you don't even notice that puppet has just gone into whale and you know what's the hell and you know what what the hell's going on and the reason you don't notice that that is because it means something and you don't even know what it means but you know that it means something and you're willing to ride on it weirdly enough because it compromises your rational principles completely it does there are real there are religious experience that people have in movie theaters they they suspend disbelief they 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 go along with it it's 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 not rational but, but they but they believe it if someone says but that's not real you say to them maybe you could maybe you could shut up so i could watch the movie you don't you don't want their rationality interfere fearing it's the wrong time for it it's the wrong place for it gepetto wishes that his pet puppet could become real it's very unlikely which which is something he says very unlikely to happen actually i think jimini cricket says that to have something happen to gepetto uh, has to wish on a star it's a strange idea the star is something that partakes of the divine you could say that if you look at the night sky where you can really see it you know that right you 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 could look at the night sky and infinity opens itself up before you and there's nothing to accept nothing to say and to and to wish on a star is to put your eyes above horizon and to pick a trans transcendent point and to wish for something something to want for something that that's beyond the concrete and immediate and to become virtuous and not to be puppet is to aim at something transcendent i could say well at least uh, it's the absence of evil that's something well maybe it's uh, it's even more than that maybe it's virtue in and and of itself there's a line in sermon on a mount it's a very strange sermon and the line is take therefore no thought of morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof it is a very strange piece of advice it sounds completely impractical right limit the focus of your consciousness to the day and leave the worries alone it means something meditative i think when i when i do th- therapy therapy with people i try to do with this i i, I don't think because i don't know if if uh, i do something but i don't i don't necessarily know what it, what their problem is or what they should do about it but i can listen and if i listen and maybe i learned this in part of karl roger's writing and if i listen then thoughts will occur to me and i'm not thinking them it's different i'm i'm letting the thoughts come come up i, I tell my clients trying to tell me the truth and they and i'll try to listen without being too much of a son of a bitch and and you know maybe you can work work something out and then they'll say something to me and and maybe i'll think well that's the thing you should you should you should now and then and that thing you should half an hour ago don't seem to be coherent so maybe you should straighten them straighten that out or you should know it seems more like i'm tracking what they're saying and while i'm listening to them i'm in the same place as they are we know the n- neural mechanism for that we are in the same place as someone when you really listen to them and then thoughts come up and i tell them what they they are and it's impersonal because i'm not trying to get them to do anything particularly i'm just aiming maybe at helping them figure it out what's going on and having 
little bit of less suffering it's not imposition of an ideological structure and that and and the behind this particular piece of advice is that you can try this too you wake up in the morning and you think okay this could be a this could be good day whatever that means you don't know right what a good day is but maybe you you had a couple of and they're not so bad and so maybe you think you could have another but but you don't know and you think okay you ask yourself and this is meditative what it is that i need to do today so that this would be a good day and your brain will tell you it will say like you know that bill that's hiding under five pieces of paper on your de- desk you should haul that sucker out and pay it or there's something you you're avoiding that makes you an- that makes you anxious that your brain will pick up on the right right away and say you have to do this whatever number of commitments today and if you do them then you'll fulfill your fulfill your obligations and the idea behind this piece of advice is that if you fulfill your obligations every day then you don't have to worry about the future and that's a very interesting idea it's predicated on the notion that there's a wisdom inside a people that's deeper than mere rational rationality and i believe that to be the case of because we are far older than mere rationality from an from an evolutionary perspective from any perspective we want we are deeper than rationality and we know psychologists have learned in last 20 years rationality is bound ridiculously in, in all sort of different ways it's not that master is a servant it's an unruly servant even though it can be very powerful one the totality of you the wisdom that's embodied in in the totality of you far outstrip rationality and if listen to yourself and do that and do the difficult things that you self tells you to do it the i the idea is you don't have to compute the utopian future because it's following whatever you tell yourself to do every moments is the best path to whatever the best outcome is it's a it's a strange way of thinking because because if you if you are a utopian and a rationalist you already know what the right outcome is then you have to run run around pointing guns at people to make bloody sure that they do right thing so that the outcome you computed occurs and that doesn't seems to work well very well and so you see this idea of dioism di- is to the idea is to give give up the end because you don't know what it is and you don't it's an admission of ignorance where are you headed you don't know but uh, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be headed somewhere follow follow your moral institution intuitions stop doing the things that makes you feel weak i'm not talking about following a moral code although that can come into if you really don't know what the hell you're doing at all then following a moral code code is a good idea because it will at least get the ball rolling it's a form of apprenticeship so you so you know not doing obviously bad thing is a form of discipline it isn't the notion that i'm talking about now this is the different thing this is paying attention to what's meaningful because you can see what it what that is you may find your you're terrified of it because everybody's got this little secret which i i really love doing uh, you know i don't know what what it is it's a different thing for different people but they're afraid to do it because as soon as you do what you really love then you expose your nakedness right you say you say this is what i really like instead of you just shove that under your bed and do and do something you don't care about at all and and then people people will judge you it, and but it doesn't matter but the problem with that is there's no life there there's no force there's no you and without the suffering will do you 
will do do you in and then you'll become a bad person and that's that's not a good thing so, so you have to see what it is that you'll find meaningful whatever that it is and you have to fight for it you have to fight against yourself you have to fight against other people because what what do they know about it you have to fight against nature maybe even to stand up for what it it that sustains you and that take courage it takes honesty partly because if you are not honest you can trust your own intuition and this is an important thing think about this and this is why virtue is necessity all right if you lie to yourself or to other people then you are corrupt then you are the corrupt structure that you used to interact with being you are corrupted and if you corrupt it then if you listen to it it will guide you the wrong way or maybe it it will be so corrupted you can't even listen at all and you'll have to listen to somebody else and that might not even a good thing especially if you're already corrupted because th then you listen to person who tells you to do what what you really want to do but you but you but won't admit it to yourself and that explains how hitler found all his followers that they had abandoned abandoned their own mode of being it made them bitter and resentful and empty and hollow and weak and cruel and then they trained their leader to tell them what they wanted to hear if you're honest which is painful you see that a lot of things that you say aren't real you'll see see that a lot of things that you don't that you do make you weak you'll see that a lot of people that you associate with are probably not good for you and then you have a lot of difficult choices to make you can stop with the obvious lying that'll clear the things for you a lot but and you can start communication with people one of the things i teach my clients if you're reasonful say something about it say something about it you tell the person look what you ask me to do is making me feel resentful now if your wife or husband or someone you love you should listen to them because they might say well grow up take your damn responsibility and leave me alone and maybe they're right or maybe they're a bit of bully and and you have to say quit pushing me around maybe you have to have an argument with them and an honest argument where where you say look this is this is this is what's happening to me and then they say look this is this is what's happening to me and you have to battle it out until you reach some sort of settlement and then you don't have to be resentful anymore then you won't be a mean and cruel and vicious and 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 you have to be honest in order to do that here's a way of thinking about error you don't exactly know what you're doing so how you do how do you get to the point where you know what you're doing i think follow internal intuition and to be honest about it what will happen is a star will appear and guide you and the star is whatever makes your life meaningful and and maybe you'll take some tentative steps in that direction and you'll get get a little ways and you'll think no that's wrong and then the and the thing that makes your life meaningful will will appear over and then you'll take a few tentative steps in that direction but as you step and walk toward these things you you change and and as you change you get wiser and and what happens is you keep following these things that makes your life meaningful and then you correct yourself across time you see the things that that there and that that's wrong and you see it there and that's wrong and you see it there's there and that's wrong but you keep chasing it and and as you as you chase it you move forward and as you as you move forward as you do things you learn you from your mistake because you're honest and you're watching you get wiser and wiser and the consequences of all those mistakes is yourself correct the mistakes and 20 years down the road maybe you won't even making mistakes they say it takes 
10,000 hours to be an expert at something. So you would need 10,000 hours of practice following what it is you needed to follow. I'm going to close with two things. I've come to the conclusion as a con consequences of studying the things I've been telling I've been telling you about believe as a religious substructure, all right? If you go all the way down into someone's belief structure right to the bottom, what you find are religious presuppositions. The person might not agree, but I don't think that matters. I, I, I think generally people don't know, all right? Here's an old religious presuppositions, older than Christianity, though I suppose Christianity is the most powerful proponent of this viewpoint. There's a heaven and there's a hell and you should live your life so that you won't end up in one of them what's happened to christianity is that there's an there's an afterlife thing i don't i don't think it's an afterlife thing i i think it's 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 a now thing i see people who are in hell all the time and you can see them if you walk down blore street i'm not kidding it's it's no joke if you walk by someone in hell you can look at them you won't even look at them you'll give them a wide berth and if you if you look at them and you really think if you really look at them, they'll either become more aggressive or ashamed because they do not want you to see what they are. They are because they don't want you to see where they are. And 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 by the same token, heaven's a real place too. And now then you don't notice because you don't believe in it. There's a, there's an old gospel, a Gnostic gospel. That was dug up in 1957, the Gospel of Thomas. And in the Gospel of Thomas, Christ says the kingdom of heaven is spread out on the earth, but men do not see it. And I don't think there's a metaphor or maybe there's, it is a metaphor. It's a deep metaphor. It means that life, human being, is very expansive and we live in the middle. It's kind of mediocre middle often. And, 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 and at one of the extreme, there's a hell and other extreme is heaven. And we bounce back and forth between them without really noticing. And I could say, well, there's, there's something to consider. If the things if the things that you're doing are landing you in hell stop unless you want it to be there and if you think all you have to do is think about your life over the last year you can you, you can be certain that you can call call to mind times when you would have rather that did not happen and so the lesson from that is clear don't set up those conditions anymore and by the same token if you watch yourself you can tell when you're when you're where you wanted to be and I and I would say well if you if you are where you wanted to be then that's really really the right place and all you should ever do is practice to be there the kingdom of heaven is spread out on the earth but men do not see it so this is what I would say about virtue virtue first thing is an attempt to see that heaven and it's questioning thing and, and I'm not saying that it's the same thing for everyone I don't believe that all because people are individual just to see it and the second thing is to attempt to leave it and truly believe, I truly believe that there is nothing that you can do that's better for being. Like not only for yourself, but for everyone that you interact with. None of you know your potential. People are amazing creatures, you know. You know that people can, can be abysmally awful, but they can be as remarkably good as, as they are abysmally awful. I think it's rare, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. What's the human, what's the human possibility? Well, no one knows. Maybe it's in near, maybe it's near infinite. We know nothing about our own being or our relationship with totality, totality of things. We may occupy a more important place than we all think, and the consequences of our actions, our virtues, or our lack of lack thereof, echo may may echo far beyond what we want to believe. So I would say, try to find out what's good for you.
just just watch don't listen to anybody else or maybe you should maybe you, they'll give you some hints you know but but you've got to shut it out yourself and when you find out that's good for you and that what isn't what isn't do the things that, that that are good for you until you like being alive until you're thrilled to be alive see what happens you know and i would also suggest there's nothing you could possibly do that will to be more profound and useful than that that's all thank you so much for listening that was jordan peterson and stay thank you for staying all this thank you so much for listening